1: Welcome into a, another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you? Doing well, Sean.
0: Uh, busy Monday, really, for um, as weird as it is that basketball is over and football is just about to start. So it seems like seems like something is going on for like every UK sport right now, whether it be volleyball, baseball, basketball, whatever. And, uh, but this this show will be dominated by basketball talk because we had some Dante Allen news, and also we're recording this uh, literally ten minutes since uh, John Calipari finished with his final uh, call-in
1: show of the season.
0: So I don't know when we're going to hear from Cal again. So this was a pretty newsworthy night, I would say.
1: Yeah. So we'll split this up into to two topics. We'll we'll start with Dante Allen news, and then we'll transition into John Calipari's last radio show. Of the season. But before we get into all that, Derek, uh, this episode is powered by Blue Wire Pods and it's brought to you by the Butcher's Pub with three locations one in Pineville, Kentucky, one in Williamsburg, Kentucky, and then London, Kentucky will be opening their location on April 15th. Uh, The Facebook page tweeted out the booths and everything that it looks like inside there at the pub, Derek. It looks just like the other two. It's going to have the same atmosphere, have the same top setting as the other two. So I have a feeling that one's been, going to be very successful as well. And you can visit the butcherspub.com or you can follow them on Facebook. They have three pages to uh, keep up with menus, deals, uh, live performances, and everything going on around the Butchers Pub. But, Derek, the big news before John Calipari got on the radio tonight was obviously a report from the Falmouth Outlook, Outlook uh, which is really cool to see, too, that you know, local journalism in his hometown got to break the story which really isn't surprising given the way the season ended for Dante, but pretty cool that they got to break that Dante Allen will be returning to Kentucky for his sophomore season. I know that's something that probably you you enjoyed seeing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Shout out, shout out to uh, Sam McClanahan, I believe is the reporter's name, who uh, broke that story tonight for the Falmouth Outlook. So he was able to get uh, Dante's mother on record, and uh, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but she was confirming that, you know, Basically playing off Dante's quote last week that he planned to work himself to exhaustion this summer. She said he plans to work hard uh, back home for now uh, and then head back off to Kentucky this summer and prepare for his uh, redshirt sophomore year. So it's something, Sean, that – well, I don't know that we can say 100% for sure that everybody thought he would be back actually (laughs) given how the season had gone.
1: It it was – I think there was some concern there. I know I mentioned it a couple of times, but I think the ending really helped. Um, just him having that performance, obviously it's a huge confidence boost. And so his mother, April Allen Thomas, she did tell the Falmouth Outlook, he is definitely returning. His plan is to come home and work harder than ever before and return to UK for his sophomore season, and I fully support his decision. Uh, Derek, somebody on the Facebook page actually asked me, you know, how how is Dante not a junior, even though he redshirted? And I was like, well, he's, he would technically be a junior when it comes to his coursework, but as far as basketball eligibility, he will be a sophomore.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just I mean, thinking of him like a any kind of football player, you see that a lot more in football compared to basketball, where uh, you have redshirt classes. So yeah, Dante just finishing up his second year, his first full season where he was healthy. Um, I, I can't wait to see what Dante looks a year from now. You would think at this time next year, Kentucky will be back in the tournament. Um, he is an important piece, I think, to a to a. To, you could see him being a very big role player for next season, I would say, and and having more of a role in terms of, you know, his importance to hitting shots. Let's see what kind of strides he makes in his all around game. That's the thing for me, Sean. This year he was a spot up shooter. Cal, you know, wanted him to improve his defense. I, I want to see how he improves his all around offensive game. Yeah. Maybe even more than I mean, yes, he's not to play a, a certain level of defense for Cal to feel most comfortable. But I think if he really does improve his all around game offensively and he becomes more than just a three point shooter, I still think he'll be hard to keep off the floor regardless of whatever Cal thinks about his defense. Well,
1: and here's the other thing about it too, Derek. If Kentucky doesn't struggle this season, do we even see Dante Allen get on the floor at all?
0: This year, if they didn't struggle?
1: It would have been probably not, right? If they had lived up to the preseason billing with BJ Boston, Terrence Clark, and everybody, I don't think that we would have seen him much. So maybe – Maybe that is the beauty of the struggle, right? Maybe we do – you do get to see Dante Allen moving forward. And obviously, I don't think there's a player on UK's roster, regardless of whoever decides to return, that should honestly go into the summer more confident than Dante did because he got to go out on a note that the whole fan base was – even in a loss, Dante Allen was the story in Nashville.
0: Yeah, Ben Ben Allen isn't thrilled tonight. He's he's not loving this news that uh, (laughs) he'll have to see Dante again. (laughs) Uh, next year in Rupp Arena, actually, next season will be. Um, but, no, of course, you know, he he had those two huge games. Uh, the the game that really put him on the map, put him in the rotation there for that stretch, was against Mississippi State, and then to be able to close the year. I mean, on Thursday, my take was like, how in the world can Mississippi State let this happen to them again? Because they're, they're, that, that team, more than anyone else, should know what he was capable of. But then I think you also have to tip your hat to – for Dante to have a repeat performance with them knowing that, that uh, he could get hot at any time and to still Didn't be able Didn't I to predict that, that
1: he wasn't going to be able to do that because I said that he would be, like, the first <laughs> name on the board? And yeah, really, yeah, yeah. And then here he comes out, and they had no clue. Like, at what point did you watch Kentucky this season and be like, okay, leave that guy open? And then they left him open for the final shot, which just was kind of the – the fitting into the season, right? That everything had gone against Kentucky, even their best shooter wide open, that buried that shot six times in that game misses the one to win it. It was kind of scripted to end that way.
0: Yeah, but but again, like what you were saying, I mean Dante, I thought even more. Well, I probably shouldn't say this without having. I've not watched the rerun of the first Mississippi State game, but for and, and you, I think you mentioned it last week on one of the shows. It might have even been the post game show. Dante did look – he just looked like a different player in that last game against Mississippi State. His confidence, and he just looked settled in. He looked comfortable out on the floor, and he he really did. He played a very good game. I thought he played better that game than he did the first go-around. But, again, I I didn't go back and rewatch that game, so maybe I would change my mind if I were to go back and do that. But So with that said, Sean, we've got, to this point, two players have been confirmed to return, right? Devin Askew and Dante Allen. I'm assuming Jacob Toppin is who I think we both agree is like 100%. I just don't know where he would go. He seems more than anyone else likely to return. I don't know that he will go through the steps of, of tweeting anything out or what might come of that. But I would assume he'll be one of the next guys to to announce his decision. Is there anyone else you would think that maybe would, would come before him? Or I don't like I'm saying, I don't know if he'll even uh, – because, you know, back in the old days or whatever, like – it wouldn't have been a story that Dante Allen was coming back for a sophomore year, but given the turnover that we have at Kentucky every single season, things like this do become stories, I guess. It
1: They do, and, I mean, that's the thing. Like, we could go and Jacob and not say a thing, and we could yeah. all just assume that he's going to be there. Um, mm-hmm. Cal said tonight that the players have gone home and stuff for, for a while, so I, I don't know – how many decisions we'll see. Obviously, we wouldn't have got this on Dante if it hadn't have been for someone from the family saying it. So maybe someone reaches out to to Toppin's mother and says and gets something. I'm uh, I'm actually planning to talk to a couple of people over the next couple of days, uh, parents-wise, and just kind of get a feel for what's going on. Uh, it's weird. Kentucky not playing in the NCAA tournament. This stuff is kind of starting sooner. But Dante and Devin Askew—it's—it's it's two guys coming back, Derek. It's two guys in the backcourt, which is the area on Kentucky's roster this season that really had the biggest question mark. Um, of the two, they're both big, because you can't—you can't discredit experience at any level of play. Even though Askew struggled, but man, it, it's nice to know that there are some people that aren't jumping ship, right? at Kentucky like that they're they're locked into coming back and I just I think that that's the first step to getting this thing back on track is locking in some returners and then finding out how to make those guys even better when you go through the portal because it it seems to me the portal will be what improves Kentucky the most going into next year it it won't be a high school route
0: for sure I, I mean you know you never want to get too far ahead of yourself covering a program like Kentucky where players will surprise you (laughs) to say the least with some of their decisions. But, I mean, I think the big thing about Askew and Allen is, you know, as of today, I would say more likely than not, they'll be back for a junior season as well. So being – and, too, in Dante's case, I talk all the time – well, not all the time, sometimes – about guys typically don't stay more than two years. And although Allen has not played more than one season, he will be entering his third year in the program. So he was – He's the kind of player you would expect would do that because he's a local guy. Um, I would say he's playing at his dream school. Uh, for Dante, going anywhere else, I mean, would be a step down, right? I mean – It would be. That would be the case for a lot of guys. But but for Dante, I think he's right where he wants to be. He seems to be, I think, realistic in in his thing. And clearly, Sean, whatever I – know, I know how it is during games. People's emotions, they get very high. They get very attached to uh, – to what's going on, but like clearly he believes in whatever plan Cal Perry has for him. And he he believes in his role. If not, he he could have been a guy who could have explored his options, and I guarantee he would have had a lot of interest. But he wants to come to Kentucky, or stay at Kentucky, I mean, and keep competing. And I, I for one, regardless of maybe who comes in or who leaves, I I think he's going to have a role on next year's team. And I think... uh, He will. And if he can just continue to improve, he could be a guy that takes a few more steps next year, but by his junior year, if he's at Kentucky, you could see him being one of the most important players on the team, regardless of who they sign or bring into the transfer portal or whatever. I I believe his potential is, is there to do that. So let's see how he does next year and where he fits in and uh, go from there. But no, this is, this is very good news uh, for Kentucky that he wants to come back.
1: It is. And think about this. So Kentucky season ended last Thursday. So by Monday night, they already have one more player returning than what they had last Unreal. year, and Unreal. honestly, two because Keon didn't even start the season. Yeah, and everything. Yeah, I mean. So, like, it's it's nuts to think that this is this is a big deal, just because it's it's guys returning to Kentucky. And the one thing that you can't just throw out, Derek, is there's experience, and then there's experience in a Kentucky jersey. And even though it wasn't a normal year when it come to the fans it's still putting on a Kentucky jersey and the expectations that comes with that. And you have two kids, one of them who has been a part of this program now for two years and Dante Allen and Devin Askew. there's something to be said for that experience that comes with just playing on the biggest stage, even though it was in a 3000 capacity arena this year, it was still the biggest stage. Kentucky was still the talk, even in a year where they weren't very good. Having guys who
0: know how to be coached by John Calipari um, who know what's expected or what it takes to play here? I mean, I think this was a very eye-opening experience for for anyone who comes back. I mean, last year's experience will will stick with them. So I agree with you. I think it is a big deal to. That's a thousand minutes or so. That's already returning for next year's team. They didn't have last year. I think. That's I think nuts. it's. Yeah, I think Askew was over seven hundred for sure. And I know. I think Dante the other day when I looked it up was like three oh eight or something I don't have it in front of me right now. But yeah, I mean it's it's experience that, you know, you don't typically see a return. Uh, what did Dante end up like averaging around five
1: points per game? I think it was five point four is what I wrote in well, the Well think earlier. about this.
0: That's more than Keon had as a freshman. Keon was a 3.4,
1: 3.3 rebound well,
0: type guy or something like that. He had
1: two twenty three point games. And then and then you <laughs> mentioned and then you mentioned the three point shooting when we were talking about Devin Askew the other day. Uh, we're, you also got to factor in, too, Derek, that there he he didn't play early in the season, and then honestly, his role completely got wiped out pretty much when it got too late in the season in SEC play. So, but in the games that he actually played big minutes in, he performed on the offensive end. If you, I'd like to. That's what I want to do later is I want to take out the games where he played very minimum time, and I want to see the games that he actually got extended minutes, and I'm talking. 14 to 15 minutes because we don't know if either one of these two guys coming back will start for Kentucky next year, but they're going to be very important, and it adds depth to – and that's the thing. Like, you actually sent me a text earlier, and we were talking about, you know, Justin Justin Powell, if Kentucky ends up getting Justin Powell, and if Davion Mintz ends up coming back, and you said – and I agreed with you. You said it Kentucky needs to have Justin Powell, Davion Mintz and Dante Allen on the floor together at the same time next year. If that if those guys end up being on the roster together.
0: Yeah, at times. Yeah, I'm not saying I mean we need to see who else is here or whatnot. Yeah, but, but just that, that the shooting. That's three guys though that you can count on to, to hit some outside shots and then maybe put I mean what what did you say when we I, if I think you could play a lineup like that. And still, if Cal wants to still have the bigs down low, yeah. could you see you a lineup of those it. three with Collins and Sheboy?
1: You can because boat? you can get away with it because you have spacing on the perimeter. You don't have dead spots that you could still have. Because what, what would be beneficial is you would have guys that create space and Oscar could still have room to operate on the post. You don't get you that go, yeah. with a Jacob Toppin at the three and a Keon Brooks and, and stuff like that. You You don't get that type of spacing, but – definitely going to be a lot to talk about when it comes to rosters. Uh, did you look up the numbers or anything for Dante? Were you looking at that?
0: I'm looking at yeah the minutes, it's 1,031 minutes combined between, between two. those two. I, I'm not good enough at math to do in my head, the scenario you're talking about, but I see 2, 4, 6, 8, 9, basically 10 games where I would say he played extended minutes as you're talking about. So I've not done the, the numbers on that, but I mean he had the two twenty three point games and then he had a fourteen point game and then a twelve point game. So he had four games double figures in those in those games that he played quite a few minutes and uh off the air whatever you can you can run those numbers and see what that would be. but yeah he he was when I look at his numbers, there was only really one game where I would say he stayed in and, and struggled to shoot and that was against Tennessee. He went one for five one he was one for six for the game besides that. He didn't really – if he wasn't making shots to begin with, he really didn't play. Um, sure. so that was really the only game that I would say he was in there a lot where he he missed. And then, of course, you know, he had the old Miss game <laughs> where Cal was saying he wished he would have shot it more whenever he played three minutes, which is still funny to, to think about. But, no, yeah, he was 8-for-15 against Mississippi State the second game and then 8-for-13 the first game. So I said I thought he played better the second game. Um, his shooting numbers would say he played better the first game, but I just thought – in terms of being confident, I think just knowing he had done that once against that team was big for him. And once he saw those sh- shots go down, that really helped. But it just goes to show you. I mean, that's what I said: a thousand thirty-one minutes. I think if you get a guy yeah. like back, you're already pushing two thousand in terms of that he's your leading returning scorer. Um, one angle I wanted to ask you about this, Sean, is let's just put on our hypothetical hats here. Let's say Kentucky does get Justin Powell because I continue to hear that UK is the front runner for him. Um, I mean, take that for what it's worth. I don't ever claim to have just locked solid sources on basketball, like maybe I would say I do for football. But I do keep hearing from at least one person that they think, as of now, Kentucky's probably the leader for him. Let's say they get him back. With Allen, you know for sure Allen's coming back now. Does that change your your stance on B.J. Boston at all in terms of importance next year?
1: If they get Powell? If they do, yes. Let's say Powell and Mintz are both here next year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's – I don't think Kentucky would be bad if they didn't have B.J. Boston back. I mean, obviously Powell – I just like Powell's numbers across the board, how he can create Mm -hmm. his own shot, he can create for others, and he can impact the game in a number of ways. But I also see the big picture here that if you put B.J. Boston alongside a guy like that, and we've also seen that Davion Mintz can distribute the ball well once they moved him to the one, I think B.J. playing the three would be huge alongside Davion Mintz and Powell. If that ends up being guys on Kentucky's roster next season, we should add that Davion Mintz has not made a decision. And obviously we're assuming Justin Powell just be given off I mean, like I said, when Tipton Edits puts something out, he knows beforehand before a lot of people do. So yeah, I mean that, that that's a really good account when it comes to recruiting and, and transfers and things like that. But um I think that Dante would still have a role, even if B.J. did come back. I just think that there's a role for that on your roster. And uh, if Kentucky's backcourt next next season includes uh, Devin Askew, Nolan Hickman, Davion Mintz, Jacob Toppin, or not Jacob Toppin, B.J. Boston, and uh, Justin Powell, and Dante Allen, that's, that's a pretty big deal. It's, it seems crowded, though. That's the only thing that makes me wonder how it would all shake out. That's six guys. And then you yeah. have to throw in Jacob Toppin and Keon Brooks that can slide and play the three and the four. And I just don't know how that fits with Bryce Hopkins and Shibue and Collins and all those pieces. It just it seems like someone is someone. It doesn't. It seems like not yeah. all of them can return. Is what I'm trying to say. But Dante's numbers in those ten games, played that he played play extended minutes, he averaged 10.6 points per game. How much? 10.6. 10.6. Yeah. yeah. So and man, there was one strong. in there where he actually only, like you said, the Tennessee game where he struggled. He had three points, so that significantly dropped it down. Uh, you take that one out, and it's significantly higher. But he, in the minutes that he played, I mean, he he performed.
0: I agree with you too. Um, this is that having any and kind of this is my guess, just my opinion solely. I don't see Mince and Boston being in, on the team next year. No just what they're saying with the, with the numbers. and I, I'm not I'm not going to get into – we, we've answered the question. It was a mailbag question, who would you rather have? I almost think if you get Pal, and if you're a believer in Dante Allen in his second full season, I would say just in terms of pure roster makeup, maybe you have some more balanced lineups with Mintz back over Boston. Would you agree with that? Or I agree
1: you, with that, yeah.
0: But at the same time – the pure talent that BJ could potentially have is yeah. also tough to say you wouldn't want that on your team.
1: There's so, a potential factor when you're talking yeah. BJ Boston. Also what you're talking to, if they get Justin Powell, then he he does some of the things that Davion Mintz does. But it's hard for me not to find a spot for Davion Mintz on a roster, man. Like just given sure. what he did this season and how much fun he was to watch. I want to see him in a Rupp Arena that has 21,000 people in it because he's going to blow the roof off a couple of times because – how many plays did he make this year? Like threes as the shot clock was winding down. Those, just the plays, man. That just takes guts to make. It's, it takes guts to shoot it, but it's another thing when you make it. And he made it often.
0: Yeah, you think about those big moments just in rep alone. Vanderbilt corner three, was a game winner. Yeah. Arkansas, what could have been the game winner had they not fouled on the other end? And then of course the, the South Carolina barrage. And I might be missing a game. He might have had another game where he. he
1: there were some games, other games, where he made some big plays. If I'm not mistaken, I know he wasn't he big too, in, in the comeback against Notre Dame, he was in the game. Yep. Mm-hmm. So he had some moments there. Obviously, Louisville, he put him in position with some big shots down the stretch. Uh, yet, you, I think that John Calipari will do everything to make sure that Davion Mintz is on that roster. I really do, even if it means that somebody else coming back kind of takes on a very small role, but maybe a bigger role as a junior or something. Uh, We'll have to wait and see how all this plays out, of course. It's going to be interesting to follow. I will ask you this before we move on. What do you think is more likely? Is it Justin Powell makes a decision, or do we get some NBA pro decisions before we get Justin Powell? Because at first, it seemed like it was moving pretty quickly with Powell, but then it's kind of slowed down the last few days. But all that buzz is still there, Derek. It almost makes you think is kind of just Maybe it, it might be done, and maybe it's just kind of waiting for things kind of to to fall into place. I would say,
0: if I'm just guessing again, I don't know, just guessing with Cal saying tonight, which we'll discuss more in this next segment, saying that they've not even really had these discussions yet, um, I think that might still be a few weeks away or whatever, whereas I think with Powell, there's really no reason they can't just be recruiting, be recruiting him right now and he could be working his way closer. Like, I think Cal – I mean, let's be real. I think Cal has a feel for what guys are going to do. I don't think he's going to be caught (laughs) blindsided um, by any of these decisions. I think with that, I think you can give Pal a pretty good idea. I mean, I don't think you have to lie to the kid about what the roster might look like. I think, you know, you could say, here here are the scenarios that could happen, like if you're ready or whatever to to make your call. But, again, things can change fast, but – I mean, pretty much since the day that Pal went into the portal, I've, people have been very confident that Kentucky would be the ultimate landing spot. I think uh, – I-
1: Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix Live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
0: The ball is definitely in UK's court, but I can't see why UK wouldn't want him. So that's, that's what gives me confidence that he'll probably be here next year.
1: Yeah, if he wants to be at Kentucky, he'll be at Kentucky, in my opinion. You you definitely don't turn that kid down. Being a Kentucky kid, you could, that's the thing. you got one now in Dante Allen, you could possibly add another one to the roster. Uh, but that pretty much covers everything with Dante Allen and returning players that we know of. Uh, but the next thing, Derek, we need to transition into what John Calipari said during his Monday night press conference. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything Cal was spot on, I thought, when it came to everything he said tonight on his – on his sorry, I said press conference a second ago, but I actually meant radio show. It felt like a press conference because we got a lot of good out of it. Uh, I don't always listen to those. I listen to bits and pieces if it's like something going on with an injury or things like that. But tonight I kind of – I made it a point. I want to know what he had to say. Uh, It had been four or five days since the season ended. I want to know what his thoughts were. And for the first time this year – It felt like everything that came out of his mouth was literally the right thing to say. And honestly, I think he said everything the fans wanted to hear. I now fully believe that John Calipari will get this figured out.
0: Yeah, you're right. He said the right things. Let's see if that turns into action. Um, uh, Certainly I believe Cal when he says that it's not, he knows it's not acceptable at Kentucky. There's you would expect that. I mean, he's not an idiot. He's been here long enough. He, and his pride too, as a head coach, a Hall of Fame coach, someone who is used to winning. That's you know, this whole off season will probably grind at him. He'll be ready to to do what he can. I think you're gonna get a motivated John Calipari this off season. Um, certainly, I'm trying to think of just really, really major points that stood out to me. Um, he talked a, a little bit about the changes that will be coming, the, the national or sorry, name, image, and likeness. I always get those two confused because national letter. NLI and NIL is right? yeah. the other name, image, likeness, national letter intent. Uh, he talked a lot about that, and that's going to bring some changes. Um, the transfer portal was a, was a thing he talked about tonight with the free eligibility, um, and also Sean something that is not necessarily relevant to Kentucky yet, but could be soon. Did you see where the ACC? Just cut off. I mean, if you want to transfer in conference, you can do that. Did you see yes. that where they made that move today? Yeah, down?
1: that that was actually someone was in uh, my DMs earlier this week. I, I mentioned that to you. They were asking about how exactly would Kentucky and Justin Powell work out given the, the the transfer rule with transferring within the SEC and not being immediately eligible. Well, then you like you mentioned, the ACC comes out with that today. And if they come out with it, you can expect the other power fives and the rest of college basketball, mm-hmm. in my opinion, to follow suit with it. One, What one does, the other one's going to do. I think so as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm out. I think you're going to have – What's the point training. in having a one-time transfer? like, And, and then not allowing limited. them to play anywhere. It's still yeah. – exactly. You're not really giving kids the option to go play where they want. And that, that right there, Derek, I think that is more impactful on college basketball than the one-and-done, in my opinion, because – now you're going to have people – look at the names that are going to go in the portal every single year. Now you have to literally recruit your guys four times. That That's that's unheard of, right? Yeah, and it's
0: almost like uh, – just I mean we could sit here and talk about it forever. It's almost fascinating the kind of guys who maybe you go into college, you didn't quite get the looks you thought you should have gotten, and then you perform very well. There you go. You you hop in the portal after you have a, a good freshman season or whatever, and you're going to have a chance to go to some of those bigger schools. So does that partially explain maybe, and maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, do you think maybe that explains a little bit that why Cal had only had three high school guys signed to this point? It does. Do you, do you think maybe he just – I can't imagine Cal went into the season thinking he'd have a lot of guys come back. That's just not how they usually operated.
1: No, he's he's looking at the portal. I really think that, and that's the thing, right? You can, you kind of get a filler and you know who's going in the portal. I think sometimes, and you you possibly know if a kid's going to be interested in your school. Uh, this is messy. It's it's going to make yeah. covering, and, and honest, and it's going to be messy across all sports in collegiate athletics. I mean, football. Obviously, we've already seen it, you know, happening. Uh, Wondell Robinson coming to Kentucky and and all these pieces. I mean, you're seeing it across the board. But it just feels like when it comes to college basketball, I almost think it's going to have a larger impact there just because a team like Kentucky that just won nine games this season, who we're talking about if they returned everybody from its roster, we weren't even confident that it would be better. But if you get a good three- to four-week run here from the transfer portal, you get immediate impact players that have collegiate experience that were stars at other schools that you could actually see a path to where Kentucky's back to being a top 15, top 10 team, if they do it right over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah. And does, and does it become more of a priority for Kentucky to target the very best grad transfers or I'm sorry, not just grad transfers, just any kind of transfer. Does that become a bigger deal than targeting a top five in a class that now not only we have to recruit potentially against other schools, but also the, the G league. You know, does Cal decide he wants to spend his time going for proven college guys versus, you know, I think there will always be a spot for kids who want to go to college. And if you're at the top of your class and you want to come to Kentucky, I think Cal will certainly still take those guys. But that, to me, it's tough to count on those guys, man. Because, I mean, think about some of those kids who, I mean, a lot of those guys going to April or May, potentially, before deciding where they want to go. And I think it's hard to, I don't think these days, maybe used to, you could get in a spot where you could wait. Because you knew a guy like Julius Randle back in 2013 or whatever could really make, make your team for the next season, and it's worth waiting on that. These days, with the options you have at the portal, I, is there as much of a desire to wait until the end of the season to, to see what a Jaden Hardy would do? I think. A talent like that, maybe. But let's just choose Trevor Kills, a, a fringe top 25 guy. I don't know if there's going to be a huge difference in him and a proven college guard next season. Like Like between Trevor Kills or Justin Powell, is it worth waiting on Trevor Kills? In, in a world like I don't think UK is going to get him. They got on, on him very late. He's most likely going to go to Villanova. But who would you rather have in that? Like that's, I guess that's where I'm getting at. How will this change the recruiting that way?
1: I think the biggest thing that I got out of tonight – because obviously, we're all, we're the the overall picture here that we're talking about is what is what's John Cal Perry's approach going to be moving forward? Is it going to be like you said? Is he going to continue to try to recruit the elite of the elites? Um, you made a good point to me last night when we were talking that it felt like that Cal kind of got to a point to where he just thought he could do it with anybody, regardless of fit. His comments to not Derek, he acknowledged that the game has changed. And he's done that. He mentioned watching the NBA bubble and everything, but he actually talked about it tonight a lot that the game has changed. And I'm to the point that I think he's going to identify fits when it comes to high school kids more than he goes after just rankings now. Like I don't like it. Let's say there's a number one point guard and a number two point guard. One's ranked higher than the other, but number two fits and does some things that John Calipari wants to do. But let's say number two is a better shooter. Does Cal move? and transition to taking shooters now because he talked about how the game isn't – and this is Cal, right? He talked about how the game isn't athleticism and length anymore. It's skill set. And athleticism yeah. and length took him to Final Fours and won him a national championship. I don't necessarily hold this
0: against him because his roster was in place at the time, but he also had some comments after the bubble last year that they were going to do things a little bit differently after watching those NBA games, and he didn't really see that. So, and I'll the- wait to see him. Show us that. But he has a chance right now. I get what you're saying. He has a chance right now to build a roster differently.
1: Every kid that comes on this roster the rest of the season, you know what they should be able to do? Shoot. Shoot the shit out of it. <laughs> That's For what sure. everyone, every kid that he adds to this roster over the next four to five weeks, if they can't stroke it from three, don't bring them.
0: That would be a welcome change, I believe, to the fan base. I think they will be. Happy to see that, for sure. And again, if you have Mance, I, Mance didn't shoot a great percentage, I don't think. I still have this roster, or those stats pulled up. He shot um, 37%, so so better than BJ. 37%, I guess he lived with that. He was just very streaky some games. Um, you,
1: you live with that because of the big shot factor that yeah. he was able to put mm-hmm. up. Uh, but the quote that I take away from Cal Perry's pressure tonight, Derek, is I feel like we had Swaggy Cal, and – Getting Swaggy Cal in this setting off a non-win season, I think, is just what you needed. Because you mentioned it, when do we hear from Cal again? Like, we don't know. Is it in May when all the decisions are done and the roster's set? Is it to preview the NBA draft? We we don't know. Uh, But he was talking about there were a lot of people out there that really got satisfaction out of Kentucky struggling this year. And we all know that that's true. And he said, enjoy your time now. Next year is going to come soon enough. He said next year. Like, okay, you know what I mean? He's implying 2021, 2022. I think in his mind he knows it's going to be better, and I think that that's not a coach that's panicking right now, and maybe that's a coach that already knows uh, what his hand is.
0: Yeah, I was trying to get a read on if that was – that's the right thing to say, and I can tell just from tweeting it out. I know you tweeted out a similar version. You might be getting a similar response. I've got quite a few people replying to that tweet who are who are very excited that Cal said that. So, obviously, it struck a chord with the fan base. That was a good thing to say. Um, I, I guess the way I see it is it can't be any worse next year, right, uh, no. with how it was this year. I, I do agree. He he knows he's on a better t- team next year, I think, just already having a guy like Sheboy in the
1: full He fits. He's yeah, a he fit. Like, when we talk about fits, that kid fits. What Cal does. You've said it multiple times to me that he's, that he's the Calipari big.
0: You have all that kids freshman highlights at West Virginia, and if he's in really good shape next year, plays really hard, I think he will be a, a beloved member of next year's team. But, no, I agree with you. That was, I think, him definitely being swaggy Cal or whatever you want to say. Uh, but, you know – and, and he said this too. He said because he was asked about style of play, things like that, for next year. And he said, you know, let's let's see what the roster looks like. So that's the approach I'm going to take on that. Before I start saying the the Kentucky Revenge Tour is back. Let's let's look at this roster. I think it's off to a good start so far. So far, nothing surprising has happened. I'll say that there's been three guys we know for sure. Well, we expect to know for sure. Askew and Allen are coming back, and Fletcher's gone. Those are things that I think most of us agreed probably would have happened. So let's see if there are any more surprise additions. Um, you think about this transfer portal thing, you still got, what, 68 teams playing <laughs> in the tournament? So yeah, that's, the teams
1: gonna,
0: And the NIT, I think he's going to keep popping over the next few weeks. Pal is a guy that I think you take no matter what, but like you were saying, who's to say? I mean, there could be more big names hopping this, and UK could have a chance to, to get, so maybe that's his feeling. And um, I know we don't have a ton of time left, but I was just thinking when you were talking about the portal a minute ago, how about coaches' relationships with each other? How messy that could get here in the coming <laughs> years. The guys
1: who uh, we're gonna have some Nate Oates lines after every game now, looking down I mean, the opposing bench. Did Bob
0: Huggins. Yeah, I mean, Bob Huggins and Cal are, are really close friends, and I mean, it sounds like there's no bad blood between with with Sheboy coming here, but that's got to be a bit awkward, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, that was one of Huggins' best players at West Virginia, and for whatever reason he left. I've, I've heard interviews where Huggins talked about guys like. Basically handlers around Sheboy, and that's yeah. why he thought he left West Virginia, and he's now with Cal. So I think it's going to add some kind of element. Those are two old school guys; they can probably handle it no problem and, with each other. But,
1: and you know, another thing too, as we wrap up here, that I think is going to kind of maybe maybe needs to speed up what Cal's doing, and that's that's why if someone's in the portal and you can get them, you go ahead and I think you get them because Indiana Indiana just came open today. What, do, what does Indiana do for head coach? Indiana's at a point now, Derek. I mean, they're they're not elite, but you can also see there's some names out there that could possibly revive that program and at least get it to the point to where they they pull some kids. Um, I mean, what is? I guess we all expect. I think I think we all expect Rick Pitino to possibly be pursued there, uh, but. Do they call Nate Oates? I texted you yesterday before the Indiana job came open, and I threw Nate Oates to Indiana as a possibility. Uh, You talked to me that he seems like a guy who loves coaching with a chip on his shoulder. Indiana is a program, but he could still have a chip on his shoulder. I mean, it's obviously – it's been down for – I mean, it's been 19 years since they've made a run – uh, I think things like that you got to look for too. There's going to be head coaching changes and things. So you you kind of you don't want you want to fill your roster, but then you might want to sit back and wait and see who decides to leave from other places. with coaches getting fired or changes? Like let's say a, a coach uh, goes from a school to Indiana. Who's at that school? The, the, some of those guys decide to go on the portal and either not follow the coach or go somewhere else? Like this thing is is just dominoes just falling, and it's probably going to be looping around for the next six to eight weeks. That's a good point. I mean,
0: yeah, that, that, I like it. I know it's not really a hurt UK yet. I mean, I think I think it's bound with this transfer rules that either football or basketball is going to probably more so football. Maybe not. I don't know. We'll see. I think at some point UK will be negatively affected. One of its better players from some sport maybe will leave. Basketball, I'll say probably not because it's already one of the best schools, so you don't really know why a good player would leave unless it was four. The professional ranks, whereas football, perhaps you could see a situation that a kid would leave. But from my standpoint, entertainment wise, I like it. Oh, yeah. It's like, it's like a whole nother season in a way. I mean,
1: if coaches can go, why can't players?
0: Yeah. I mean, like the transfer portal is, is crazy. Uh, I don't know the exact number, but I follow Travis Branham and it's up like 250 from this time last year.
1: That's so nuts. the it's repercussions
0: can't. of that is that not all those kids are going to find a spot, which sucks. But that's the risky run uh, for some of these kids and, you know, some of these guys who are leaving are going to transfer They won't even stay division one. I mean, some of these guys will go down division two, division three, shoot. If you're at a small enough division one school, maybe even NAI will be where some of these guys end up. But um, I think it's fun. Uh, I think it's good for us. It's, it's fun to talk about. There will be, anytime a semi good player or formerly higher rated recruit goes into the portal, it will be, people will look at it and say, oh, maybe UK will be an option or something like that. And I think that part of it is fun. Um, And for now, I mean, is really the only guy that I think UK's been associated with. There have been some other highly ranked kids from high school going to the portal that I've not seen anyone link UK to. So for now, we can know he's probably a priority, or at least they're at the very least gauging their interest in that situation. So we'll see from there. But like I was saying, what you were saying, give it three weeks from now, Who knows who could be in there?
1: Yeah, portal will be full for sure, and there will be names going in there every single day that we'll probably talk about on this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, smash that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and review. You can engage with the show by reaching out via email, kentuckydaily at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter at GBBCountry. Derek is on Twitter at Derek S. Terry. But this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.